Welcome to Cast and Wax, the only official podcast of Waxwork.com. And and by the way, don't listen to the unofficial ones. They're not as good. They're not even close. Uh, my name is Jordan D. White, back uh, in a way in that you can hear my voice now. Last week, you, you may, if you listened, you might remember, uh, I was played by a computer. I was typing what I was saying into a computer and having it read my words out because I had lost my voice. But now I have my voice back, which is a very pleasant thing. It's much better to be able to talk. I don't have it back fully. You probably notice a little twinge in it, so to speak. But for the most part, here I am. Good as goats. Goats are, goats are okay. So I'm okay. In addition, you will be happy to know that uh, Rory Sinjin is back and a-okay. Uh, yes, hello. Yes, I am. I do also have my voice back. It's very, very pleasant. And it, it makes me feel very wonderful and generally good all the time. Excellent. Yes, excellent. Great. It makes me very happy. Now, I understand, Rory, I understand you had a really great week. That's what you were telling me earlier. Oh, yes, I did. Uh, no, it's actually quite interesting. I, As you know, I, I did lose my voice and I was unable to, to do my readings. And to be totally honest with you, over time, it started getting to me. I, I, I was a little down about it. And other other things in my life started to get to me as well. I, I started feeling sort of down in general um, and questioning whether whether what I was doing with my life was right. But, well, frankly, someone gave me some advice and, and it really turned me around. I, I feel really great. I'm doing my readings again now, of course, now that my voice is back. I'm able to uh, continue planning my trade, doing absolutely swimmingly, um, you know, completely stunning. Uh, the people who are hiring me give me glowing reports to other people that they know, which leads to more business. It, it's just, I seriously, things could not be better. Wow. Well, I mean, but that's not true. Things could be better, right? Well, I mean, in, I mean, within reason. Yeah, because I mean, because you could be the king of the world, right? Well, I suppose, yes. And but in some worlds, I am. The point is, I I am 
incredibly happy with my with my place right now. I'm doing very well, and I feel good about it. I, I feel like I'm I'm on the right path, and I feel like nothing can go wrong for me. That's very cocky of you, but but I'm glad you're happy. Uh, I'm very very glad you're happy. Uh, let's see. And um, unfortunately, um, Frank Allen is also here. Not unfortunate that he's here. It's good that he's here, but unfortunately, he is still unable to talk. You have no idea how unfortunate that is. I hate this stupid thing. Oh, I do have an idea how unfortunate it is. I don't like that thing either. Trust me. I find it incredibly annoying. In fact, I, you know, I prefer you don't talk as much as you as you normally do. But Jordan, I am co-host of this show. I understand that, Frank, but I seriously, it, it's a really annoying voice. I mean, I I got to, you know, my the voice that I used, my computer voice was pretty cool. But your voice, your computer voice is really it's grating. Well, can I use the voice you used, then? No, that's no, that's my voice. That's the voice I use. But you're not using it. You're not sick. I know, but but what if you know? What if what if it happens again? I don't want to create confusion. I want the the listener to know that if I ever lose my voice and get can replaced by a computer, that's the voice I'll be using, and that's the voice you'll be using. But unfortunately, you got a really annoying one, and that means I don't really want to hear your voice. So much. That is incredibly unfair. Well, I don't really think it's unfair. I mean, you you got an annoying voice, and and you're still sick. I mean, whose fault is that? It's not my fault that I am sick. Well, we got better. I mean, I, if it's not your fault, why why would it be that we got better and you didn't? That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't. I I I, I mean, again, I'm not completely better, and neither is Rory. But we got better enough that we can talk. So you know, shape up. I cannot believe you people are saying this. You are so mean. I am sick. For Christ's sake. I, okay. <laughs> yes, you're sick. Okay, you know, we have another co-host to introduce. My cat, Scape, is also one of the co-hosts. He, unfortunately, is not here. Um, he's still a little sick as well, and Dr. Sasquatch has prescribed him bed rest. So he says he won't get out of bed uh, because he's got to fulfill his bed rest. I mean, he gets out of bed to eat food and to drink water and to go to his cat box. But he doesn't. He doesn't get up generally. He's he's been sleeping. He already sleeps a lot, but he's been sleeping even more. But it's doctor's orders, he says. So I, uh, who am I to argue with a doctor, right? Very wise, very wise, not arguing with the doctor. It's, it's I don't know if we did that PSA at one point, but we probably should have. Listening to medical advice is probably the best thing. I know we did consult your doctor before getting an abortion. Yes, yes, but my cat's not getting an abortion, so that's he doesn't need Doctor Sasquatch to advise him on that. No, but if he did, he he couldn't because a he's not a woman, and b he's been neutered. So there's no baby in any way. No, no, no abortion. Well, all right. But well, then actually, what if he didn't know that? He would definitely need to consult a doctor. If he consulted a doctor, a doctor would say, don't, don't bother. Yes, I guess the doctor would say that. As usual, you are full of helpful advice. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Frank. I do appreciate the vote of confidence coming from someone so good and noble. No. I was being- Moving on to uh, the first show, actually. I know uh, we want to get right to it. We've got a whole lot of stuff tonight. We've got three shows and uh, some, you know, our usual bonus features. Really awesome stuff this week. Um, let's get right to it. Up first, we're going to have a little show called Guard Duty. Rory, did you want to talk about it? Oh, thank you. Uh, yes, yes. I, I wouldn't mind talking about it at all. 
Guard Duty is a show about some superheroes who are on the Earth Guard, uh, and these superheroes sit around waiting for emergencies. On the most recent episode, we saw Ocean Man talking with Mr. Fahrenheit. Ocean Man, who we, the audience, know is not actually the king of Atlantis, but has been putting up a lie saying that he was. Um, at the mo- end of the most recent episode, he seemed very distraught to hear that the gossip magazine The Password was going to have a interview with the Mollusk, the villain uh, that the Earth Guard do fight fairly regularly over the series uh, of Season 2 of Guard Duty. In this episode coming up, I I believe we have the Stallion and the Jack uh, are going to hear an interview with the publisher of the password, correct? Yes, that is correct. I conduct that interview. That's absolutely right, Frank. Yes, Frank Allen does do an interview with uh, the publisher of The Password. It's quite fascinating, and it was, I will give you some, a little bit of behind the scenes. Part of it was written, part of it was improvised between Frank and the actor playing Ron Riley, who is uh, Mr. Derek McNish, a very talented actor. Anyway, let's get right to it. This is Guard Duty, an episode called The Password Is. Enjoy. The Earth Guard. The planet's most powerful heroes united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth and defending them from threats of all kinds. From the Guard Tower, their base of operations, they watch over the citizens and spring into action at any sign of danger. At end, the guard takes shifts monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of guard duty. This week, the stallion and the jack in the password is. Oh boy, oh boy, I cannot wait. This is going to be so amazing. What a fun, fun time, time to be. Happy Jack, Flappy Jack, silly little Sappy Jack, never give a crap. What on earth are you doing? Jeez, <laughs> oh, you scared the living tongue out of me. <laughs> Why are you so excited? What's going on? Ron Riley's going to be on the Frank Allen Show tonight. Have you not been hearing about this? They've been talking it up all over the place. Ron Riley, and you're excited? The guy's a total jerk. I know, it's going to be great. I can't stand the guy. You're excited to see someone you can't stand? Oh, yeah. I've got a subscription to the password. I read every issue. Have you seen some of this guy's editorials? They're ridiculous. This one time, he wrote an entire piece about my knockout balls contributing to the depletion of the ozone layer, based on completely made-up eyewitness accounts of people who saw me, are you ready for this, loading them up with aerosol cans. So why do you read it if you know it's completely full of crap? I wouldn't touch that rag with a ten-foot cattle prod. You know what they say. Keep your enemies close, and then you know more about them because they're close. A lot of people read this trash. I like knowing what type of nonsense I'm up against. It's hard work keeping myself so beloved by the public. Didn't they vote you most annoying superhero three years running? I thought you didn't read the password. The Jack, the program has begun on Monitor 3. Thank you, Brain Frame. Bring up the sound, please. The guest is Ron Riley, who is, of course, the publisher of the news magazine known as The Password. Mr. Riley began the magazine in 1994 and immediately focused on the exploits of the Earth Guard and other superheroes. One of their first stories dealt with the connections between Stanton Enterprises and whether or not federal funding was being used in their dial-up and broadband projects. Since then, the password has continued to make waves, including their most recent articles detailing the personal exploits of the otherworldly heroine Peace Blossom. Ron Riley joins us in the studio to discuss his magazine, their stories and ethics, and to discuss the next issue of the password due out tomorrow, which he promises will feature all new revelations. Welcome. 
Thank you for having me, Frank. It's our pleasure, I'm sure. Uh, let's start at the beginning. What inspired you to start the password? Well, you know, Frank, I just felt there was a need for it. The Earth Guard is, as they always remind us, made up of the world's most powerful heroes. Yes, they are constantly discussed in the press, but... No offense, Frank, but I felt someone needed to cast a critical eye on them instead of blindly praising them. That is such a crock! As if social obligation has ever played a part in any decision this jerk ever made. He started the password because he knew he could make money off of it. Well, he's a businessman. Anything he does is to make money. But there must be something behind his decision to crucify us. I mean, he could have made money off of smooching our patoots. But it's easier for a guy like him to tear down the work of others than it is to support it. We do what we do because society needs to. How does it help society for him to make us look bad to the people we're trying to protect? Hey, don't get mad at me. I agree with you. I can't exactly protect little children when they cry at the sight of me, can I? Well, you... Wait. Yes. Yes, you can. Why couldn't you? I don't like the sound of crying. It hurts my ears. You raised your siblings? Oh, wait, wait, wait. They're talking about peace Blossom. You talk about her there. As you know, I can't reveal our sources, of course, but yes, we have it on good authority that Peace Blossom and at least one other woman were in and out of various hotels in Rome. You say at least. As some of our sources claim she was seen with a pair of women, regardless, we have confirmed that the rooms they rented were all single, king-sized bed suites. While she did check in under an assumed name, many witnesses have placed her in Rome at the time, not the least of which is the National News, which saw her defeating the Holy Roman. The implication, of course, being that Peace Blossom is... No. We can't be responsible for what our readers infer from our articles. We are presenting the information we uncovered, and our readers can make of it what they will. We don't imply we state facts. Huh. But surely you facts can some random guy pulled out of his butt. Your readers are going so you to don't think it's true? Huh? I mean, there what? are certain connotations about to the facts Blossom, that you're stating. About her being... Well, a I don't know. I mean, I always thought she might be, but... What, do you think I just go up and ask her or something? I mean, please. That would be a stupid idea. I mean, I, I just always thought... Uh, although, I guess it would explain... Playing some things, why she never expressed an interest in uh, any of her teammates, then, then you or Ocean Man or whoever. I guess. Step down off of I don't think she's my type. Not your type? The she's the most attractive woman on the planet. Well, sure, what does it take? I like a girl with a sense of humor. When I don't need an English lit degree to understand. Here, but surely the Earth Guard serves a useful function for us all. For example, if not for them, who would take out the supervillains that attack us? Who would stop Lady Luna? Who would bring down the creationists? Heck, who would stop Gas Mask? Thank you! You know what? I thank them for stopping those people. They do a great community service. But just because they help people doesn't mean they're any better than you and I. I'm just holding them to the same standards I would any other person and showing that they have their faults just like you or I. Yeah, and we know your but faults you all too well, Mr. Riley. You, you heard about his solicitation well, arrests, frankly, right? I have to You're sell kidding me. Too. Three arrests. No convictions, of course. The guy has more money than God. Like Lawyers got him off. Or he could be innocent. I don't villain. think so. I've read the, the file, the he's guilty. Of that. And then he what makes a living airing other people's business? Look to your own to first, butthead. Start with the man in the mirror. came to light that were heretofore unknown. Well, how did this come about? Ah, well, it was during the mollusk's attack on Baltimore. While the crabs were attacking, he came into our offices with his... This psychic starfish, basically, and just stuck it right onto one of my writers. Through this starfish, he was able to communicate with our writer telepathically. He wanted to tell his side of the story, get his message to the world. And so you interviewed him? Well, the writer Todd Cole did, yes. Now, some would say that it's inappropriate to do an interview with a man. Well, if he is a man, a man who is considered 
a wanted terrorist. <laughs> what would they have had me do? Punch him? I'm no superhero, and I assure you, none of our staff is either. A terrorist was insisting we interview him. He had us trapped with his creatures. Were we supposed to shoot staples at him? <laughs> we interviewed him. We did what he told us. That's not the point, so, you idiot. No one would expect you to fight him yourself. But A, you should have turned over the notes to the Earth Guard immediately. Well, and B, you don't put it out as a magazine to get his side of the story out. He's a terrorist. He kills people. Getting out his story justifies Every life he's ever country. taken. Did you Whose side are you on here? I wish we could have known his story. Which reminds me, I had an idea about it something. And what's that? Well, we don't have an actual psychic on the team, but I was thinking, if we were to have Captain Fantasy so check out the villains after we catch them, the, the he could read into them in the world well, of dreams, see? Then we can know about things they've been doing and we haven't caught them for. Or things they might do next time when they get out. I mean, if they get out. What? Jack, that's a terrible idea. First of all, it violates all sorts of civil no, 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 no. people. I'm not saying we prosecute them for things, but we can fix things that they've done that we don't know about, or just sort of plan for the possibilities of other things, you know, to make us more effective in the future. I know we couldn't legally use the information against them, but... I'm not talking about legal issues. I'm talking about the rights to privacy. We can't go invading the minds of any criminal we want just because we have them at a disadvantage. Wouldn't they forfeit any rights they had to privacy when they, oh, I don't know, attempt to enslave all of mankind, for example? No. The same law that protects you and I from jerks like Riley using a psychic to find out our secret identities stops us from doing the same to criminals. And that's the way it should be. I'm fine. I'm just saying, if we had a telepathic starfish, maybe we could have understood the mollusk enough to be able to predict his behavior, and then he wouldn't have been able to... Jack, shut up! What did he just say? What? Shut up! Why would he lie to Earthguard and the people? I'm not sure why he's been lying all this time, but according to the mollusk, he is the leader of the Atlantean undersea forces. That's why he's been striking out at us on the surface world all this time. He assures me that Ocean Man is not and has never been king of the ocean world in any sense. No way! Could this be an attempt by the villain to discredit Ocean Man? We consider that, of course, but it just doesn't make any sense. The mollusk has never been able to communicate with humanity before and his first attempt is a lie about a hero he's rarely ever even faced. As far as we can tell, the only time Ocean Man has ever gone up against the mollusk was three years ago on the Florida coast, which, according to the mollusk, was when he attempted to communicate with Ocean Man through the use of a magical Atlantean conch. The mollusk actually believes that Ocean Man understood him, but that Ocean Man deliberately broke the conch and has been avoiding the mollusk ever since. And we can't find a single time he's gone up against him since then. You'll notice that Ocean Man was there to help fight Boulder yesterday, but where was he when Mollusk was attacking? Notable in his absence, if you ask me. Holy moly! Pretty messed up, eh? Uh, Chuck? Attention, Earth Guard. We have a priority A-1 emergency. All personnel report to the guard tower. A-S-A-P. No excuses. Guard Duty by Jordan D. White with Michael D. Mikowski as the narrator, Jordan D. White as the Jack, 
Rich Bellin as the Stallion. Derek McNish as Ron Riley. And Frank Allen as the Newscaster. With theme song by Michael D. Mikowski. Welcome back, everybody, and we are cruising through the show. It's very exciting. I think that episode was a lot of fun. I It was one of the episodes that kind of came to me as like, oh, wouldn't it be great if they were watching TV but still talking and you couldn't really focus on it? <laughs> that that doesn't sound as appealing when I say it that way, but it was kind of an interesting concept, right? And I thought, let's do it. Let's do it. We can make this work. And I think it worked quite well. What do you think, Rory? Oh, yes, I, I think it worked quite well. Um, you know, Frank Frank is good for something, I suppose. And uh, in this case, he finally showed what, what, he, what use he could be. What? Hey, now, at least I'm not making up a bunch of nonsense that isn't true. Well, technically, you said uh, that that was partially improvised, right? So in that case, you were making up a bunch of stuff that wasn't true, correct? That's what an improvised scene would be, right? Uh, yeah, I, I do believe that he is correct, Frank. Okay, fine. Whatever. But speaking of making things up that don't make any sense, we are now on to Rory Sinjin's part of the show, uh, This Day in History, correct, Rory? Uh, well, we are on to my part of the show, but I'm not just making things up. This, As you know, listeners, this uh, part of the show is where I tell a, a true historical fact, showing a scene from history, sometimes history of other worlds, other realities, neighboring realities. Um, and then I and then I recently have started following up on them with where are they now in history? Complete historical facts, not made up. I mean, well, they are they are not made up really. They 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 are made up in a sense, but they're also true and therefore true. Uh, and also they have a very important lesson. So I think you should all listen closely. Oh, is uh, good, good. Yes, listen closely. Is this going to be a lesson that is going to affect a lot of people this time? Because sometimes you have little obscure messages that aren't that relevant to my life. No, no, this one is this one is very relevant to lots of people's lives. All right, let's let's hear it then. This Day in History. Hello and welcome to This Day in History. My name is Rory Sinjin and this is WHRW Binghamton. On June 23rd, 1940, Adolf Hitler surveys notable sites in the French capital, now German-occupied territory. Napoleon's tomb was among the sites Hitler made certain to see. That was the greatest and finest moment of my life, he said, upon leaving. Hmm, this seems to be the greatest and finest moment of my life. Now, on to the next French site. Where's the next French site? Come, Monsieur Hitler, we go to the French zoo. A zoo? How delightful. I love animals. Oh, good. It's Wonderful, because these animals in the zoo, they don't like you. In fact, all the cages are open, and the lions and the tigers are coming to eat you, Monsieur Hitler. Farewell, I lock you in the cage with them, clank. Le roar! Le roar! How terrible that this animal is kept up in the cage. I hate it when the rights of animals are violated. Quickly, I will saw through these bars with my very small mustache! <laughs> Clang. Be free, lion! Le Ye! Le Ye! Ye. Excellent! Now, to murder some Frenchmen! Oh no! Bang! Ah! I have been meldelled! Yes, um, Hitler did not mention that the zoo he was taken to was, uh, very, uh, low rent, so to speak, and they were being very mean and cruel to the animals and keeping them in filthy conditions, which is why he was letting them go. Now, that itself is not a good idea, but in general, it is good to be nice to animals. Make sure that you are kind to animals that you know. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton, where we don't support Hitler, but we do support animals. I'm a Newton bitter. 
This is Rory Sinjin on Cast and Wax with Where Are They Now in History? You're probably wondering what became of this Hitler fellow. Well, I'll tell you. From his position as the head of Germany, he went on to start a foundation devoted only to the protection of animals. He actually learned his lesson shortly thereafter that he shouldn't have just released those animals out in the middle of Paris because that wasn't their proper ecosystem. And in fact, many of them died. What he realized he should have done was perhaps rehabilitate them and return them to the wild so that they were able to fend for themselves rather than relying on zookeepers. That would have been the nice thing to do for animals. Hitler, of course, was a vegetarian at the time, and so he actually forced the entire world at gunpoint to stop eating animals. He said that would be cruel to do that to animals. Of course, he was being a bit cruel to people at the time, but he didn't consider people animals. And again, it was a much better place for the animals at the time. Animals, in fact, actually became Hitler's biggest supporters. They actually had little animal armbands that they wore, and they were they were quite happy. Now, if only Hitler could have gotten that whole people thing straight, maybe everyone could have gotten behind him. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way, and when the people finally did kill Hitler, they then had to work out a, a very difficult peace process with the animals. This is Rory Sinjin on Cass and Wax with Where Are They Now in History? Okay, I will give you one thing and one thing only, that PSA was relevant to many people's lives. On the other hand, advocating Hitler's politics is a new low, even for a backstabbing conniver like yourself, Rory. I take very much exception to what you've just said. Let, let me go through. Um, oh, look, I can look at, at the screen and take take apart what you've said one by one because it's still written there. Uh, yes, the PSA was relevant. However, um, I was not advocating Hitler's politics, or at least not our universe's Hitler, because our universe Hitler was, generally speaking, fairly bad. And, and if he had any good politics, I still wouldn't advocate them just because people seem to dislike him so much that it sort of taints anyone who, who sort of says anything nice about him. But you do want to say something nice about him? No, I did not say that. I did not say that. But let me finish. Let me finish. So I was advocating another Hitler's politics, which is fine, because again, you even yourself talked to good Hitler, and he had lots of good politics that lots of people would want to do, including being nice to animals. So apparently this is a common Hitler theme of being nice to animals. So everyone should be nice to animals. Even Hitler says so. So if even the worst person you can imagine says this is a good thing to do, then it must be incredibly good, and it must be incredibly evident that it's good. But moving on to the rest of your statement, I'm not a backstabbing conniver, so it it doesn't matter uh, that you think I am one, because I'm not, so... Well, you are. Okay, Frank, you know, this is not why I gave you a computer. You know, I didn't give you a computer so you could type mean things to Rory and make that annoying voice that I hate uh, more than I wanted you to. I wanted you to not make the annoying voice. Then tell him to stop making things up. That's... Yeah, but that's what he does. This is his part of the show. It's That would be like saying, telling you not to do an interview. That's what you do. This is what he does. It's it's what I'm doing. But what I'm telling you to do is stop using that annoying voice. Because if you don't, I'm going to have to unplug the speakers of the computer. That is completely unfair. Perhaps. Perhaps. But, okay, look, Frank, this already is an episode that has your voice in it a whole lot. Because you were just in guard duty. And, oh, uh, this is now your part of the show. Uh, 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 Tractor Fiction. This is the last episode of the first season of Tractor Fiction. uh, Still recorded live on the air. So there's a bit of live tomfoolery in the studio. You can hear a lot of, like, hubba dubba dubba dubba. But it's still a lot of fun. This is a Christmas-themed episode. But I didn't want to save it till Christmas. I figured I'm just going to air it in order. So everybody can have a little bit of Christmas in, in, in summer, which people like to do, right? Buy yourself a present if you if you enjoy this episode and we will all enjoy it can i just say something about this no no you can't because that is the annoying voice i don't want to hear it okay uh, okay moving on moving on we're going to get to tractor fiction right now here we go here we go go You're about to hear Tractor Fiction. Tractor Fiction, uh, this one is called Humbug. 
The uh, the idea here is that we read a tract, so to speak, of work of Jack Chick, and then we um, discuss it afterwards. We haven't actually talked to the people we're going to discuss about it, but I believe that we, we've got a special treat for everyone tonight. We've shipped in a complete uh, cast of Shakespearean-trained actors from England who all have impeccable British accents because they're from Britain, of course. Uh, and I believe that uh, in addition to that, we've also got two amazing, amazingly smart British people to do the debate, so it's it's quite good. So now we've got the British actors in the studio. Hello, British actors! Hello! Hello! I didn't hear an H in the bunch. It was perfectly <laughs> British. Thank you very much. All right, so we're going to begin this wonderful tract called Humbug, or as the British would say, I guess, Umbug. I don't know. We began a long time ago in a country far, far away. Thank God I'm not from there. England. Ebenezer Scrooge, an important financier, works in his accounting house with his assistant, Bob Cratchit. Um, Mr. Scrooge, may I please go home? It's so very late, and my family is waiting for me. Why? Um, to celebrate the birth of Christ, sir. You know, manger? I don't know what you're talking about, Cratchit. My world is finance, not fairy tale. It's hardly a fairy tale, Mr. Scrooge. It's humbug. Don't contradict me, Cratchit. <clears throat> Your eternal destiny hangs on that story, sir. And how, pray tell, could my eternal destiny possibly hang in the story of a baby? I think I'm daft, Cratchit. Um, Mr. Scrooge, that child was the creator of the universe in the form of flesh. You realize what you're saying, Cratchit. Why in heaven's God bother with insignificant man? Man is rotten to the core. Man is a blight upon the bloody earth. What coincidence, Mr. Scrooge? The word of God says the same thing. Oh, it does, does it? Yes, the Bible says there is none righteous. No, not one. <laughs> For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isn't that rather severe, Mr. Cratchit? I don't like those verses. Uh, Cratchit! Will God judge me for my sins? Thank you. Oh, yes, Mr. Scrooge. We see your entire life in review. Good night, Cratchit. Um, read this, sir. I'm sure it will show you how to avoid God's wrath. I said good night, Cratchit. Um, good night, sir. Stuffing the little pamphlet into his pocket, Scrooge hurries along on his way, <laughs> while Cratchit heads to the butchers. Hmm. Is my beautiful goose ready? So hmm. as it is, Bob. Too bad you couldn't afford this beauty over here. Cratchit, I don't see how you can feed your family on that meager salary. Scrooge is a miser and a crude brute. Oh, God always takes care of us. Out on the streets, Cratchit's two children look longingly into the window of the toy store, their grubby little faces and hands pressed right against the glass. Oh, such beautiful toys. I just love that doll. Are my little one's window shopping. We know we're poor, Father, but it doesn't hurt to look, does it? Not at all, Tiny Tim. Oh, Father... They're so beautiful. We may not have a lot of toys, Father, but at least we have each other. That's right, Tim. Soon, the very British trio arrives at their small British home. Isn't it a lovely goose, my dear? Yes, Bob. It's so big, I'll have to cook the goose in the stuffing. <laughs> oh, Mother, you're so funny. <laughs> oh, how I thank God for each of you. And I love you all. We love you too, Father. <laughs> how about a cheer for my wonderful employer, Mr. Scrooge? I'm sorry, Bob. I despise that mean old man. I can't help it. Mama, shouldn't we pray for Mr. Mr. Scrooge? Meanwhile, blocks away. Oh dear, here comes Mr. Scrooge. I pray that he's in a good mood. <clears throat> Why did Cratchit quote those verses at me? I hate him for it. My old mentor and musical idol, Bob Marley, he's been dead for 25 years. But I wish he could come back and prove Cratchit 
wrong. Bloody hell! Mr. Scrooge, excuse me. Ah, uh, what? Mr. Scrooge, I've, I've, what? I've been quite ill. Could you please extend my loan for ten more days? No! Mrs. Uh, Cooper, not one for a more minute. You can expect foreclosure, madam. God will get you for that. When Scrooge <laughs> arrives back home, he is quite rattled. Oh, it's good to be home. What's going on? My door knocker is changing. Indeed. Even as Scrooge looked on, a lion's head morphed like some cheesy early 90s CGI special effect into the head of the devil himself. I hear reggae. Good heavens, I'm losing my mind. I'm going right to bed. I'll feel safe under the covers. Have a good night's sleep. I'll forget all this humbug. At that exact moment, across town, in the Cratchit's small but very British home, Tiny Tim kneels by his bedside, his hands clasped together. Dear Lord, please save Mr. Scrooge. And the Queen. And soon, back in Scrooge's very British bedchamber, an old man wearing heavy iron chains and locks clatters his way into the room. It's Scrooge! Scrooge, Mom! Wake up! It's me, Marley! Marley? Where did you come from and how did you turn white all of a sudden? I died in my sins, Mom! Now I'm waiting for doomsday when God will condemn me forever! Marley? Marley, what What about me? What about my Rastafarian beliefs? You're gonna be worse off than I am, Scrooge. I'll see you soon. As Marley disappeared into a British puff of puffiness and and the blast of reggae music, Scrooge thought back on his own deeds. I begged you for your help, and you laughed! You ruined me, Scrooge! You have no mercy! My child starves because of you! I hope you're happy with the life you've chosen. God will get you for that. Cratchit, Cratchit put something in my pocket he said would save me from God's wrath. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, oh God, there it is. I found it. It's say, if I receive Jesus as my personal savior, I will miss God's wrath and finally understand the truth behind the legend album. You died for me on the cross. Oh dear Jesus, I do receive you, I do. I abandon my pot-smoking ways. Please save me, I believe you died for me on the cross. Please forgive me and own me wickedness. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, man. Lord, you have set me free now. I feel clean and wonderful. What shall I do now, man? As the sun rose over the dirty London houses, a sunbeam pierced its way through Scrooge's overly British windows. And even though it's totally stupid, Scrooge somehow felt the sunbeam was God's way of saying, Make restitution, drop that doobie, and get rid of the Jamaican accent! I will, man! I'll make up for all the wicked things I've done, Lord! I'll drive on the left side, and I'll chuck the chicken and fry it at the same time, man! Pausing only to bathe and dress himself, Thank God for everyone he's going to see that day. Scrooge flew with all haste to the butchers. Hey, man! Quick, give me that big goose with all the goodies on the list. What a wonderful day here that Jah has given us. Ah, is that you, Mr. Scrooge? No, my friend. The old Scrooge is dead. I become a brand new man when I receive Jah in my life. And over at the toy shop. I want all these presents taken to Bob Cratchit right away. I don't care about no cost. Uh, for Jah provides the bread. Uh, yes, sir. Um, where did you get that crazy accent here in London? Then, over at Mrs. Cooper's place. Mrs. Cooper, please forgive me. No woman, no cry. Your bet. It has been cancelled. Oh, thank you, Mr. Scrooge. God bless you. Oh, he has, man. Mrs. Cooper, he has. I got cougar and in moustache tonight. And finally, Something special God. in me talking. <laughs> and Cratchit, I'm come for you, man. I got presents 
pensions for all of your children and I'm doubling your salary. Yo, yo, what, sir? Thank you, sir. I can't believe it. And <laughs> Mrs. Cratchit, here's something for you. The biggest goose I ever had. Oh, Mr. Scrooge, it's beautiful. You must join us for dinner. Oh, I love my doll. And now is Tiny Tim. I've been praying for you, Mr. Scrooge. Thank you, Tiny Tim. <laughs> God answer your prayer. He the man. He the man upstairs. Job, Bob, we get Tiny Tim. <laughs> the finest doctors in all of Jamaica. Thank you, Mr. Scrooge. <laughs> Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim will get well soon. But Mr. Scrooge, where is your present? Oh, I got it in me stocking, man. God, he provided me with some beautiful herb. I got a God's wonderful gift, man. I got eternal life, and when I received Jah is me savior. Now I love everybody. It's a one love, man, and I have peace. Oh, Mr. Scrooge, I'm so glad that you're going to heaven. So am I, child. So am I. God bless us, everyone. Yeah. Yes, Tiny Tim, he has damn right. <laughs> no one man, and no that, crap. Oh my goodness. Man. One love, <laughs> one heart. Wait, I think that line was stolen. I definitely think that last line that Tiny Tim said. It's in the public domain. <laughs> my goodness. He went from being British to make into Irish back to Canadian. So, uh, how, that was amazing. Oh Count the accents. <laughs> that was a very, very bizarre. Uh, version of a Christmas carol. I may be the best, maybe the worst. One of the two. So, uh, there's a lot of laughter in the studio. That's because we're unprofessional. Okay, uh, what we're debating is whether this uh, this here version of a uh, Christmas Carol, sort of based on Charles Dickens' work, is is the true one, is is right about this whole um, Jesus thing. All right, uh, sir, what's your name? I'm the Vampire Lestat. Vampire Lestat. I believe he's from France. That's just a popular rumor. Okay, okay, so you're from Britain. Confirm or deny? <laughs> I beg your pardon. You're from Britain. Yes, actually okay. from Britain. And you, sir? I'm Scotty McOcleary. Scotty McOcleary. I. What are your qualifications, Scotty? I. All right. <laughs> let's uh, let's find out which of them is for uh, this uh, argument and which is against it. Flip the coin, lad. And uh, here we are. Oh, sir, you you believe this is one hundred percent correct, Mister Mister McOcleary? I. I. And Mister Lestat, you. Uh, Mister the Vampire Lestat. Please. Which part is your first name? Hmm? Which part is your first name? The. So, Mister Vampire Lestat. Yes. Is it hyphenated? What kind of name is that? It's a better name than you, Mr. Generic Ethnic Names. That's quite a biting, a biting slur. All right, uh, let's begin. Attacker goes first. Attacker, attack. Now, let's see here. Eternal life is promised if I accept Jesus. That's plainly not true. I, for instance, have never accepted Jesus in my life. All 500 years of it. So you're saying you don't have to accept Jesus to get eternal life? Precisely. And your proof is that you've never died? Yes. I could say the same thing. There you go. I lied and me too. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> but did you accept Jesus? I Equally persuasive. Over a pint of ale. Oh, come now. You accepted him over a pint of ale as in you were drinking, or or you, somebody said, Jesus or a pint of ale, and you said Jesus. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Do you really think I would pick Jesus over a pint of ale? I couldn't tell you. I never drink ale. What do you drink? 
Um, not ale. That's for certain. Aye, why don't you drink ale? What do you drink? Some wine? Come now. I'm the vampire Lestat guy. What do you think I drink? Guy? Lad! Lad! Uh... Okay, so okay. you're a little boy. Precisely. Alright, so this debate is is uh, quite heated. Alright, we have an expert right over there. Uh, madam, I believe you're an expert. Uh, tell us what you're an expert in so that we can uh, hear your expertise. Um... I'm an expert in ant farming. Uh, okay. Excellent. You know, I'm going to fire my producer. Okay, <laughs> what? Uh, how does ant farming... <sighs> how does ant farming relate to this tract? Um, well, I imagine that the ants have probably accepted Jesus, because they, they live a while and do good things. Right on for the ants. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so uh, can you get can you get Ronnie on the phone? I think I want to fire. No, please, Syria. I'm serious. Call Ronnie. Okay. Um, I believe actually we have Charles Dickens on the line. Uh, Charles Charles Dickens on the line, uh, direct from the afterworld. Mr. Dickens, are you there? Can you hear me? Why? Yes. Yes. Uh, oh, it's a very clear line. Right, I'm glad. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Mr. Dickens. Oh, there we go. Oh, it's a little hell hazy. Uh, uh, pardon that. Uh, uh, you see, it's are you on a cellular broadcasting from beyond the grave. Oh, is this? Do they get cellular? <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point is, listen. Uh, we have a guy here who says that uh, Christmas Carol is really about accepting Jesus in your life, and then another guy who's saying it's oh! another guy who's saying it's about uh, vampires. What do you think, sir? You wrote it and everything. Well, I truly think that that is quite a uh, excuse the uh, phrase here. A crackpot interpretation. Uh, which, which one? The vampire one or the uh, Jesus one? What? Uh, bloody hell. Vampires? Bloody. Uh, he said bloody. Oh, come now. So Charlie. Maybe- Charlie. It's Lestat. Where's that five bucks you owe me, Chuck, huh? What's the deal? I invited you to the to the writer's luncheon. Was that not enough, Lestat? <laughs> oh, come now, Chuck. Five dollars is five dollars. I Louis for you. Is that not enough? Okay, maybe thinking in Louis was enough. I mean, okay, um, don't be a jerk about it, Chuck. All right. Uh, oh, it sounds like uh, Mr. Dickens is breaking up. Okay, we're taking that off the air. I'm taking him off. I'm taking him off. Sorry about that, static everyone. But that was Charles Dickens. I have it assured. Uh, fortunately, uh, Ronnie did book him before he booked the ant girl. So, um. All right, we're gonna we're gonna find out. Any closing arguments, uh, sir? Attacker. Um, five hundred years without Jesus and still glowing. Oh, oh, oh! That's oh. what you think. What? Who on earth is that? Have you no shame for Christmas? I've come to kick ass and eat candy canes, and I'm all out of candy canes this year. Bring it on, dark one! Oh, oh, Santa fight! Aye, aye! Good! Oh, Bring come on, and fight! Let's Bring go! And fight. Fuck ass! Bring it! <laughs> oh, oh Do you remember God. me from Mexico City, Santa? Oh, pitch you devil, you! I'll oh. get both of you! It is time for round two, Santa! <laughs> oh my here. goodness, oh my goodness, it looks like Santa's got a... Do you smell a, a, a I'm taking cooking? I'm taking this! <laughs> Your San- Christmas is about to become ho ho horrible. Santa's <laughs> picking up the folding chair. Oh, the vampire was stat took it right in the head. I, I look at oh, he's grabbing a hold of him in a headlock. Oh, he's got the devil in a headlock. Oh, he just snapped the devil's head off. I, there's blood all over the whole studio. Oh, Santa undefeated. And vampire Lestat's licking it up all over the place. I. And there's a pregnant lady here. Ant girl, deliver the baby. Oh my, oh my God, goodness. The king 
has been killed! All right, all right. There's, it, things are pretty hectic. Things are pretty hectic. I gotta figure out who won this fight. Wait, you said the word fight. That's today's secret word. Ah! What a miss. Um, actually, you missed the whole debate, and actually, Mr. Uh, Mick O'Clary here uh, I won the debate. I awesome. I'll get you on this card if you want to. <laughs> Everyone, that was a satanic sacrifice because he killed the devil. <laughs> and that was a slap in God's slap face. In God's face. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, congratulations, Mr. Mick O'Clary. Uh, sorry, you. Mr. Lestat, Mr. The Vampire Lestat. And hopefully you'll all come back for our next debate uh, next year when we talk about whether cows can be turned into vampires. Yes. I, I think they can. All right. We heard it right from the horse's mouth. Everybody, hey. Uh, yes. I don't say nasty things about you, bloodsack. Everyone. Um. You just called him a blood sack. That might be considered nasty. Everyone <laughs> else. It is the truth. He is a sack of blood. Hi, having a baby over here. Oh, oh he's got even more blood. We've, Ooh, we've already hey, sent the dirt. ants up to pull the baby out. <laughs> we've sent the ants up to pull the baby out. Relax. Ow, ow, it doesn't hurt. Do you feel a little tickling up that ass? They can ow. carry a lot of a lot of weight. They're ow. pulling him out. Relax. Everything's going to be fine. Ow. Oh, I, I see a head and a neck. Oh. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Everybody, speaking on behalf of the vampire Lestat, Mr. Mick O'Clary, the I... pregnant lady, the ant girl, the random girl who walked in halfway through, Charles Dickens, and in fact Santa Claus and the dead devil. I'd like to wish you all a happy holidays and uh, enjoy your uh, personal beliefs, even if we've proven them wrong on the show. That episode of Tractor Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Aaron Boss, Rich Bellin, Scott Finbo, Lynn Nelson, Magdalena Richards, Nicholas Roach, Daniel Schwartz, Kate Slotwinski, Angela Tyman, Devin White, and Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Roy. And now uh, we do get to our, our other original part of the podcast. Now, typically speaking, you would be hearing a Frank Allen interview at this point. But as you know, uh, Frank Allen is sick and has a really annoying computer voice. So we're not going to have him do that uh, until he gets better. Which is completely unfair. Well, it's unfair of you to be using a supercomputer voice when the rest of us are using regular voices again. So I think that it's perfectly fair for me to say I don't want to hear that voice right now. It's it's an annoying voice. Oh, and by the way, you said asking Rory not to make stuff up was like asking me not to do an interview, but you ask me not to do interviews all the time. Every other show, I come in and fuck. Thank you, Frank. Uh, I said I was going to unplug the speakers, and now I had to. So, hope that that feels good. <coughs> you, you, you're a bastard. Frank, please don't try to talk. That sounds even worse than the computer voice. Let me have my voice back. Frank, Frank, I think that it's probably better if you just sit out the rest of the episode. Rory and I can handle it. There's, I mean, there's only we're mostly done with the show. We're just going to get to the new the interview. Well, what's replaced your interview, and then we're going to get to the last show, and it's going to be fine. No, no, no. I don't want to. Please, just just go sit down. Go have like a lozenge or something. You know, we we can handle the rest of the show. Oh, Rory, you can do the the preview section, right? Oh yes, that won't be a problem at all. It's, it would be not a problem. I can do it every week if you need me to. No, I mean, I don't need you to do it every week. I mean, Frank will be back, I'm sure, at some point. But you know, for for this week when he's sick. Oh yes, no, I can. Not a problem in the slightest. Not even 
remote problem. If you want, I can do interview sections from now on. Well, no, no, I don't need to. Again, Frank is going to be back. Frank's going to be back. I mean, but we did get uh, this week, we replaced the interview section with something very special. If you've been listening to the show recently, you will recognize this gentleman's voice. He was on two weeks ago. Frank Allen interviewed him and he gave Frank Allen some amazing advice. And so I thought, well, if this guy does such good advice for Frank Allen, maybe he can do good advice for everyone. And maybe we should do a call and advice show. So hopefully you will enjoy this. It is Harry Wilson continues to advise you. Hello, listeners. This is the Toot Janitor, Harry Wilson. You remember me from Harry Wilson Advises You. And this is Harry Wilson Continues to Advise You, which I consider officially the continuation of Harry Wilson Advises You. And the reason I'm here is that my good friend Frank Allen is still sick, so I'm filling in for him on Cast in Wax. So I'll continue to dispense sage and wise advice for as long as this program continues, whether or not uh, Frank comes back when he's better. Um, so we're going to take some calls now. This is a call-in advice program, and I'm told that on line one we've got uh, Bobby in Carousel, New York. Bobby, are you there? Um, hi, Harry. How are you, Bobby? Thanks for calling. Harry Wilson continues to advise you with me, Harry Wilson, the toot janitor. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I just want some advice, please. Well, sure. What can I help you out with? Um, well, uh, there's a girl that I... I like, um, like, I, I like, like her, like her, and I was like, well, uh, I want to, I want to ask her to the homecoming dance, but, <laughs> but I'm a little scared. Right, so it sounds to me like you're kind of afraid of talking to this girl because your breath is so bad. Um, well, I mean, it's more because, like, I'm afraid she'll say no. Because of your bad breath, I understand. Do you really think I have bad breath? Well, of course, well, how often do you brush your teeth? Every day. How many times? Well, only only once. Well, of course you have bad breath. Now, just get into the bathroom, brush your teeth a little harder, a little more frequently. You'll have no reason to be afraid of her because your mouth will smell as fresh as fields of freshly picked cotton. And you can step up to her with confidence and a sweet smelling mouth. Go right up to her face if you want. There'll be no risk of infection or offense. And say to her, would you like to accompany me and my gleaming teeth to the homecoming day? Now, does that uh, solve your problem? Well, I don't know. All right, glad I could help you. Now, uh, we got on uh, line two, Patsy in uh, Roswell, New Mexico. Let's see if we can help her out. Patsy, hello. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, Patsy. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a guy. I'm a guy. Well, that's not a problem. I know plenty of guys. I don't really think it's uh, something you got to be worried about. Uh, but thank you for calling. Uh, no, I, I know that's not my problem. I'm, I'm calling because a different problem. I'm just saying you said I'm a girl. I'm not a girl. All right. Well, I can't be right about everything, you know? Only certain people are infallible, and I can only be nearly infallible. All right, well, look, look, here's the problem I've got, right? Uh, I'm living in this country called the United States of America, but... uh, Again, not really that big of a problem. I mean, uh, lots of people do that. I do that. I mean, there's a lot of bad tooth health here. But otherwise, okay. No, no, it's, no, the, uh, the problem is that I try to live here and be happy, but there's, like, a government conspiracy controlling the, the media and controlling, trying to control our minds, and, uh, like, the government trying to take everything over and lying to everybody. I, I don't know what to do. Absolutely right, and I'm actually glad you called up with this point, because as you're aware, my other show, Harry Wilson Advises You, got taken off the air because of this media conspiracy. The government is out there giving you all kinds kinds of information, the vast majority of it not about teeth. So they're coming up to you with the media 
telling you all this kind of foreign news about uh, Israel-Palestine or the war or something. When you're paying attention to that, it reduces the importance of your mind a proper tooth So you there watching television, you're not reminded to brush your teeth, which is what I'm doing on my program against the media conspiracy against tooth So I'm very glad you brought that up because uh, the government has been squelching the proper channels of information, filling it with, with useless peblum to keep your, your populace entertained while the truth about teeth is hidden from them. Now, did uh, that solve your problem, uh, Patsy? Uh... I'm glad it did. All right. Uh, let's see who we got on uh, on the third uh, phone line here. It just looks like the caller ID. I just, I guess I got the extension here on the phone number, 8215 in El Paso, Texas. Hello, uh, El Paso. Are you there? Yes, my name is 8215, actually. Oh, all right. Well, that's a, that's... Kind of a problem, I guess, but... Uh... No, that's not my problem. The problem is that I'm one of a large number of clones who is attacking the Earth under the guidance of an evil warlord, and I find my work somewhat dissatisfying. What can I do? Ah, uh, well, I can see that's, uh, that would really be a problem. Like, is a clone, it's difficult to distinguish yourself. I understand, because you're all cloned, you're the same person. But honestly, if you were the clone with the gleamingest, whitest teeth of any of them, if you brush your teeth harder than any of your genetic counterparts, you'll stand out from the crowd like nobody would believe. People would look at the army of clones and say, look at that ominous force of identical, fearsome soldiers. And the one with really nice teeth. And I think that that would really give you some satisfaction. That's, uh, help you out there? Yes, sir. I shall brush my teeth. Excellent. I'm glad I could help. Uh, let's see who else we got on the line here. Uh, oh, we got, uh, Frank in New York City. Uh, Frank, are you there? Hello. Hello there, Harry. Uh, is this, uh, is this like a fake? Hello? No, this is really me. This is Frank in New York City. I have a problem. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I I hope I can help you out. Uh, Are you a a real person? Yes. I am the host of a show, but I am sick, and people keep taking my show away from me. I don't know what to do. I will soon be angry. Well, Frank, I gotta say, I really feel for you there. As uh, somebody who's had his own show taken away from me completely unfairly, I gotta say that this is a cruel world where people with far inferior dental hygiene, even to someone doing a show about dental hygiene, think they can come in and just screw with your, your show and take it away, even when they obviously know nothing about the subject. What I would say to you in a situation like this is you got to impress the people above you. Just dazzle them as much as you can. That's how I got to the top here with the nice guy named Jordan who's letting me do this. I just brush my teeth almost constantly. And I think that's why I'm so impressive to anybody who uh, was offering a show. I just, you know, I got great teeth. I'm talking about teeth. You have uh, the mouth to impress. You have the success you want. I hope that helped you out there. I hope you uh, you get whatever show that was back. Uh, you also might want to uh, not uh, use a robot voice for your show. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I'm uh, glad you appreciated it. Uh, thank you for calling the Tooth Janitor. No, that was sarcasm. Arg. I hate this computer. All right. Thanks for calling. All right. Uh, we got uh, the Jack. Okay, uh, The Jack in uh, San Francisco. Uh, Jack, hello. Hello, everyone. This is The Jack, the superhero. Okay, uh, Bobby, uh, I'm glad you got so much more confidence, but uh, one call per show, please. No, 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 I'm not Bobby. I'm The Jack. My name is The Jack. I'm a superhero. I'm on the Earth Guard. Uh, that doesn't sound like a problem. That sounds like a lot of people would want to do that, Jack. No, the problem is that crime is unrelenting, and I can't seem to stop all of it. No matter what I do, there are still children in danger. How can I save them? 
you know what puts children in danger more than anything else? Sweets and ice cream. I've seen so many families with the hardworking mother struggling and struggling to try to make hands meet. And the children, what do they do? They run out of the house to the lawless ice cream parlor, ruin their teeth with the sugar that causes plaque and gums disease. And that is the first step on the road to crime. And if the mother tries to save their teeth, if she says, Children, come back home, brush your teeth, be responsible citizens, they say no, we'll stop at nothing for our ice cream and our sugar sweets, and I'm gonna run away from home and join a life of crime. So I'm telling you, Jack, all you need to do is keep these children away from uh, from sweets and ice cream and uh, and all these uh, sugary sweet makes them them active and and overactive and and gets them into trouble and it ruins their teeth, which is the most important thing. Hope that solves your problem. We got uh, time for one more call here on Harry Wilson continues to advise you. We got uh, Rory in uh, New York. Uh, thanks for calling the tooth janitor. Hello. Uh, yes. Hello. Yes, uh, Rory. You there? Are you there? What can the tooth janitor help you out with? Um. Well, it's a bit of a complicated problem. You see, I. I have a very successful business, but I have a, a colleague who, who continues to disparage me no matter how much success I, I, I get. And he keeps saying that, that I'm, you know, that I'm full of it, that I'm, that I'm some sort of scam artist. And it really, it really gets to me, you know, and it, it, it even makes me doubt myself. That does sound like a pretty serious problem, Rory. Well, it is. It is a serious problem. It is. And, and I don't know what I should do. You know, part of me says that I should fight back, but another part says I should be the better man and just let bygones be bygones. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Rory, there was a time in the past when I was doing uh, Harry Wilson Advises You, the uh, the prequel to this program, that a lot of people around me were saying, this man is a charlatan. He's a, uh, a mountieback. And uh, his uh, all his ideas are, are false. And they're, they're too narrow-minded. In short, they were saying I was pretty much making up answers to everything they said off the top of my head. And you know what happened? I took the high road and they canceled Harry Wilson Advises You with virtually complete uh, assistance of the listener, granted, but they canceled it. So let me tell you this. How did I get this program back? I stood up for myself. I kept talking about what I believe in, which is teat. I showed my teat and my beliefs to this guy, uh, Jordan, and I ended on top of that other guy, uh, Frank. Now, I don't know if the guy you have to deal with is anything like Frank, but I gotta tell you, if he is... Don't back down. Whatever you do, you gotta crush the people who are in the way of your success and who are doing anything, be it on purpose or not, that might possibly undermine your getting your message across. Whether it be about teat, in my case, or whatever it is that your message is. I, you know, I, I don't know if that helps, Rory, but I hope it does. You know, I, I think, I think it really does. Well, I'm, I'm glad I could help. This is, uh, Harry Wilson, the Toot Janitor, or on, uh, Harry Wilson continues to advise you. Uh, watch this podcast, uh, to see if this program will be back. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember, brush your teeth, floss your teeth, clean your teeth, pick your teeth, see the dentist regularly, and also the orthodontist. Don't eat any sugar or anything else that could get stuck in your teeth. And once again, by the time you've listened to the end of this message, brush your teeth. Good evening. And there we are with Harry Wilson continues to advise you. Hopefully everybody dug that. Uh, I gotta say, it was interesting. Uh, I don't think I would like to have it on every week, though. What about, what about you, Rory? Well, he did give me some... I mean, he did 
he did give some some people over the course of that. He did give some good advice to some people. I I guess I mean you know I don't think the Jack is necessarily going to be helped by by brushing his teeth or by stopping children from eating sweets though. No, but some of the advice he gave was very very insightful. Is what I'm saying. I, I all I'm saying is I think he's a good advice giver. I wouldn't mind having him back on the show. No, I wouldn't mind having him back on the show either. But he does. He's sort of a one note kind of guy, isn't he? I mean, he, he always is talking about teeth. Well, yes, but it, it sounds like they're fairly important. Look, all I know is I'm just saying I liked it. That's all. Well, uh, good. I mean, I get it. Like I said, I liked it too. I just don't, I just don't think I'm going to have him back all the time. Let's move on to our final show of the episode. We've got Epic Echoes. It's an episode called Flight of the Flashback. Last time you heard the Epic Echoes show, you heard Max Thornfield doing a solo adventure. Before that, you heard the flashback without him. And before that, they got back together. You're probably wondering, well, gee, how did they split up? How did the flashback go from being Max Thornfield leading them to the two of them on separate missions? Well, guess what? Here you can find out. It's quite exciting. Flight of the Flashback. Enjoy. Series, Episode 10, Flight of the Flashpack, by Daniel Schwartz. The Flashpack stared bug-eyed in horror at Dralis' blaster. Virtus's smoking body lay where he'd fallen, his spellbook reduced to ashes by the blast. Excellent shot, dear sister. You killed him! You crazy, murdering bitch! He was your friend! I have no friends, human. Only my brother and those we shall crush under our heel. Why are you using heel in the singular? I mean, even if you crush under one heel each, you're using at least... Now's not the time, Slaughter. Right. You were right, sister. See how they weep at the death of their frail and banal comrade. Dex's unfeeling words were accompanied by a wave of his hand at his clone troopers. My loyal minions, destroy the Who-mans. Yes, sir. Come, sister. We have a reign of terror to begin. Indeed, brother dearest. The troops leveled their blasters at the flashpack, but a sudden flash of light made them reel back, covering their eyes. The flashpack turned and ran. I thought we were out of flash grenades. We were, so I gave those clones a little Thornfield special. A glamour of bright light. Brilliant. Thanks, Molly. But we need to get going. Without Fertress's spells, we'll need to get creative to escape from El Paso. Let's split up. Make it more difficult for them to track us. We'll meet back at Flashpoint. Flashpack! Flashback! Our intrepid heroes each took off down a different street. The evacuation of the city hours earlier made running easy, but the clone troopers would sweep the streets before too long. Max fled into a public library. Galloping Galileo! To think that Trellis, one of my dearest friends, has fallen under the control of that tyrant from another world. Getting past those clones will require more than the glamours I can do. It takes some powerful magic to get out of this. Did somebody call for a hobgoblin? Um, no. Well, then it's a good thing I'm here anyway. Out of the shadows stepped a familiar figure, a lithe, pointy-eared male in a bomber jacket. He smiled a big smile that indicated he was physically incapable of wrongdoing of any kind. How you doing, Max? Puck? Thou speakest aright. I am that merry wanderer of the- Can it, Puck. Canning it. 
What do you want this time? Well, to help you out of this mess. That's not your style. You're more of the helping me into this mess kind of guy. Well, I figured it was time to change my routine. Besides, there are some people who need your help. What do you mean? The Catmen of Saladon are in mortal danger. You need to come with me and help them. Is this the same as that time when Atlantis had been launched to the moon and you needed me to come and drag it down? No, this time it's actually happening. Come on. Why should I trust you? Unit Epsilon, commencing sweep of Sector 7G. Because I'm not them. I'm convinced. Let's go. Puck waved his hands around Max, rendering the pair of them invisible. I've got a pair of ships, one for each of us. Come this way. Meanwhile, several blocks away, Molly was having a little less luck in navigating the mean streets of El Paso. What were these Texans thinking when they designed this city? It's the third worst-designed metropolis I've ever seen, and the second was El Dorado. Maybe it's the L thing. Maybe I can rig together an aerial view by connecting my hand computer to the power grid. Let's see. Okay, a little more of that. Lord, looking down! Hold it right there. Crap. I'm going to kill you now, ma'am. Why? I don't have a good answer for that. That's probably for the best. It's a tough question. Master Dex ordered us to kill the flashback. Oh, but sometimes the orders we most need to obey are given by ourselves. Now that just doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to. It's called Zen. It isn't supposed to make sense? Nope. Until it does. Then we call you enlightened. Now I'm really confused. That's okay. If you don't kill me, I'll try to help you make sense of it. That seems acceptable. I'm Molly Singh. What's your name? Clone Sergeant 8215. Hmm, lacks oomph. Let's try something snappy. Christopher... Chris? Crisp. I like it. No, it's... Actually, I like it too. Crisp. Let's go. Molly and her new friend took off at a dash, on the lookout for any other dangers. So what's the fastest way out of here? I am unable to answer that. Our tactics are merely to surround the city and sweep through it in shifts until your comrades are found. Great. Sounds like a job for some mad science. Mad science? It's like that other kind, but less reliable and a lot more fun. That doesn't seem terribly efficient. The other kind isn't really either. And this way there's more blinking lights. Molly pulled out her bag of random objects and searched frantically. A paperclip, some tuna, and a heads-up display. Perfect. All I have to do is set up a feedback loop, and we should be able to get a good idea of the location of the other troopers. I hope this works. Me too. Otherwise we'll die. Oh, that's no big deal. We'll just come back at something better. There we go. Now it looks like we can travel along, let's see, this street. Then I guess we should. Right. Armed with their new helmet, the duo made their way to the airport. What are we doing here? All the planes have been removed from the airport. All the assembled planes. But with more than enough spare parts to build a whole new one, we should be out of here in no time. Just tell everyone who asks that the coast is clear. Is it? No, but telling them that will do us both. So it would seem. Here's a squad. Remember, nothing is wrong. What? Sergeant 8215, report. Everything is fine, nothing is wrong. Sounds good. Carry on. Wow, that was easy. Within a few minutes, Molly had constructed a small passenger jet. With its ragtag variety of parts, it didn't inspire much confidence, but the little urging from Molly had Crisp inside. They took off immediately. Why aren't we being pursued? Cloaking device. Houston's home to the glass man and his invisible jet, so any airport within an hour's flight has an extra one. Only strong enough for the one trip, but it'll keep us hidden. Amazing. Why doesn't everyone have one? Well, they're expensive and don't have much practical application, not to mention all the science crooks who'd have a field day with them. Interesting. Under Master Dex, there is no crime or civic disorder. 
Also no freedom, I'm guessing. Freedom? Guess not. While Molly and Crisp swooped home to Flashpoint, Keen was desperately trying to find a place where her transport belt would work. Damn! 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 That psycho must have raised some nullifier fields. Stupid alien technology. Okay, that's enough of being upset. Let's try to think our way out of this. Fact. Dux has thousands of clone soldiers at his immediate disposal. Fact. Dralis has, to all appearances, joined Dux, giving him complete knowledge of our methods and secrets. Fact. The first two facts are common knowledge of all members of Flashpack. Analyzing all possible scenarios given current circumstances. That's what I'm okay, the five to do. Okay. An 85% chance at least one of us will be captured and or terminated. Molly's superior technical knowledge assures her escape, and her affection for Maxime shall probably bring him, if at all possible. Slaughter's luck surpasses my ability to interpret. We must assume she will escape. That leaves only myself. Unacceptable. An alternative course of action must be devised. Assessing, okay, square root, okay. Ah, acceptable. Several hours later, Molly and Crisp landed at Flashpoint. Molly gave him the nickel tour, only to find Keen waiting in the canteen. Sarah? When did you get here? Hours ago. Use a transfer bell as soon as I left the city limits. It worked all right? Just fine. I think there's only power left for one transport, though. I'll have to make it count. Any idea where the others are? Jill? Max? Max isn't with you? No, he must have left to- Oh my god, one of the clones followed us! Well, no, technically I only followed her. Crisp, this is Sarah Keen. Sarah, this is Crisp. He's one of ours. Interesting. Pleased to meet you. Your stance indicates otherwise. I have a very deceptive stance. Okay, my mistake. So where are they? Good question. We can call Max using his communicator, but Jill never wears one. Maybe they're together. Let's find out. Molly, Keen, and Crisp headed toward the communications room and activated the very large screen. Max? Max, this is Flashpoint. Do you read? Yes, Molly, I'm here. Where are you? I'm with Puck. There's something I need to take care of, but I'll be back soon. Molly, you're in charge. Thornfield out. But... Darn, cut off. That's Max, giving orders and taking off. Well, we'll just need to wait for slaughter, I guess. And so the trio waited. Three days and 146 games of ping pong later, a slightly weathered ice cream truck parked in front of Flashpoint. Hey, guys. Jill, thank the blessed one, you're alive. What's with the ice cream truck? Eh, someone abandoned it in El Paso. I drove it out here. What about the clone troopers? Um, hello, ice cream? We are incapable of resisting delicious pistachio. After that, it was just a matter of finding the right highway. So, what's the deal with this guy? My name is Crisp. No way. No way what? Crisp? Like a potato chip in England? A who and a where? Confused. I like you already. I'll call you Crispy. That sounds very undignified. I know. Jill Slaughter, it's a pleasure to meet you. That's all of us accounted for. Now we need for Max to get back. The dangerometer! Great, I'm home four minutes and already an emergency. What new crisis has arisen for the Flashpack to fight? Can they face it without their intrepid leader? And just what kind of mission awaits Max as he adventures with the most famous trickster in the galaxy? Find out in our next episode, A Midsummer Night's Tea. In that episode of Epic Echoes, Guinevere Eckert was the narrator, Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfield, Angela Tymon was Dralis, Devin White was Molly, Lyd Nelson was Slaughter, Tongwen Wong was Keen, Daniel Schwartz was Dex, and Jordan D. White was Crisp and the Troops. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Mikowski. Thank you very much, Rory. And you know what? I, I, I think it's just about time to end the show. Hopefully everybody had a good show. Did you have a good show, Rory? Yes, I absolutely did. I had a wonderful show. Thank you for having me. Oh, it was my pleasure. I know Scape had a good show. He was sleeping. 
the whole freaking time on bed rest. Uh, hopefully Frank had a good show, but I'm not even going to bother asking him because I don't want him to get up off the couch. Stay on the couch. I want your sore throat cooties over here. And before we go, I should say one more thing. Uh, I do think that what I'm going to do is uh, next week, we're not going to have the regular serials. I'm probably going to fill in a week with uh, some some extra bonus material. We'll probably still do this day in history and where are they now in history. But we're probably going to fill up most of it with an interview, a Frank Allen interview, but not an interview that Frank Allen did, rather an interview that Frank Allen gave. Why? Well, because it's a bit lengthy and it's something I've been meaning to play on the show. But but we're falling sort of behind on, on the recording, so we want to we want to be able to use that to get ahead. I've got a lot going on next week. I know Frank needs to get better. Rory's pretty busy. He's a busy guy. Absolutely. I've got lots of readings to catch up on, See, as you can see. So um, point is, we're going to do a skip week for the host segments and for the regular serials. So come back in two weeks for more serials and next week for random fun. Sound good? Sounds excellent to me. Hopefully we'll all be A-OK and better by then. And um, that's the way the cookie crumbles. My name's Jordan D. White, and thank you for listening. Be seeing you. My brain just can't get around them I used to know them, but I still got them I'm so sorry, so sorry for that fact that I just said just a second ago I'm so sorry that I forgot what I was sorry about too But I just forget things sometimes And I think that you know On the next episode of Cast and Wax, unlike Mother, Pandora gets close to her teacher. You know you can always talk to me, Pandy. You can share anything with me, and I'll never tell. I'm very good at keeping secrets. I'm hoping you are too, since I could get into quite a bit of trouble if anyone were to find out I gave you a ride. On Debatatorium, lots of very intelligent arguments are made. The United Nations is, uh, make point about countries all together to nation state. So, United Nations government meeting, entirely delegates, you see? Yeah, I, I think I understand what you're saying, uh, but I don't know what it means. And on Decker and Hayes, Tommy Potsdam worries about the things a proper British gentleman should. I don't really know how to ask this, but nothing... Indecent happened last night, did it? I I wasn't I- improper, was I? Oh goodness, no, silly! You passed out, and I let you sleep. Thank goodness. All this plus historical facts and perhaps a Frank Allen interview, coming in two weeks on July seventh to Waxwork.com. <laughs>